Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. What's a muse cage? A muse cage is a room decorated with any and everything that inspires you. When you're in your muse cage, you are surrounded by musings that keep you focused and motivated. Oh, that's amazing. everybody welcome to the lakers legacy podcast where this is the sound of some dudes who have dark muse cage about the season finally ending and the lakers just waiting to find out their lottery fate so when it comes to lakers fans pretty sure all our muse cages will contain just about the same damn things from now till mid-may and that's just a bunch of lottery balls all up in that muse cage of ours just bouncing around that cage alan how you doing and i guess for you personally what are some of your muse cages? Some of my muse cages. Oh, man. I would say... This is like going to get kind of deep, actually. I don't know. Like I've been pursuing a lot of different things and trying to find my way just in life in general. And there have been some people who have been telling me, like, you just need to find something stable and go with it. And who cares if you even are passionate about it or not. And I, I think those are some of the people I've kind of like put in my muse cage. I've been like, you know, I'm going to prove you wrong. And it would really fuel me and I can say at this point that I'm, I'm definitely doing what I want to do despite some of those people even inadvertently discouraging me nice for me some of the things that are in my muse cage because you know Kobe and his little little mamba there are different ways of interpreting this one you have a dark muse cage that motivates you and then there's also just musings right like a yes. muse cage some of the things in my personal muse cage is obviously doing this ridiculous podcast and <laughs> trying every day to find a way to make it better and more entertaining and enlightening for everyone. And then obviously writing is its own muse cage. Recently, I got into photography. That's its own muse cage. And then I think, I don't know if this is a muse cage, but I think just developing strong relationships with people socially. So that's one of my muse cages. I think that cages. definitely is. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I like how we just went super weird and wacky, and then it just got all of a sudden like really so serious. Deep. I'm like, I don't know um, how to make this funny, actually. Yeah, and, and we'll get to more of that Muse Cage stuff by Kobe in just a second. As usual, please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, because the more you rate and review us, that's how many basketball Muse Cages all of our young core will develop and hone this summer. Muse Cage! <laughs> Speaking of rating and reviews... We've got birthday boy Luke Walton here to read tonight's review. By the way, happy 37th birthday, Luke. He had his birthday this past weekend. And yeah, take it away. Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate that big time. Uh, Can't believe I'm 37 years old. All right, here we go. 
number one lit Lakers pod for true fans from Fat Cat Party Hat. Like those rhymes. Here we go. Great podcast, guys. Also, Trolls is the most lit kids movie in years. I watch it about three times a day with my two-year-old. I can, you know, I can relate to that. As you all know, I had baby Landon this past summer. And, uh, you know, she's not two yet, but she loved them trolls. All right, anyway, Branch and Poppy make a great team. King Peppy's a great leader. King Peppy, this is this is just me, Luke, saying this is my favorite character. All right, and Creek is a jerk. It's a fun journey to help save the trolls from the Bergens and the Bergens from themselves. It's kind of like the Lakers saving us from ourselves this year. We love to sing and dance along with our troll pals, and hug time must be moved up to every 30 minutes. Hashtag Team Bridget. All right, thank you, Luke. That pretty much had nothing to do with the Lakers, but if I had to ask you, how does your daughter Langdon like trolls? Well, first of all, it's not Langdon, it's Landon. My bad, but, Landon. But uh, that, that's okay, I forgive you for that. Um, Landon just absolutely loves trolls. We bought her all the toys, and she just plays with them and combs their hair. And I think at this point she thinks she is a little bit of a troll. But, um, you know, she loves it. It's all-time great. I think I have the script memorized at this point. Nice. Speaking of trolls, we got some on our team. Anyways, uh, Trolls is out now on DVD, so if you missed that on all the fun and color and you've got kids, I guarantee you it'll be the easiest and best way to pacify them, and you won't have a bad time watching it as well. Speaking of pacify and DreamWorks movies, we've got a new one out this weekend called The Boss Baby. Luke, you've got kids like we've mentioned. You should go take them to see The Boss Baby. It's about sibling rivalry, babies against puppies, a smart Alex, do we like debonair Boss Baby? and the wonders and hilarity of a child's imagination. So if you've got a family, take them out to see the Boss Baby and have a laughing lit time. I had a chance to work on it a little bit this past year, November, December. So yeah, definitely go out and support. I am a company man. Da-da-dun, da-da-dun. That's not the DreamWorks theme song. But speaking of which, we had a Boss Baby premiere day today at work at DreamWorks. Uh, They're called Studio Days where... Whenever we have a new movie come out, DreamWorks pretty much pumps up the whole studio with like themed events, decor, food, etc. based off whatever new movie's releasing. In the movie, there's actually a storyline that revolves around puppies, so we actually had a hug the puppy pen where people could line up and just play with puppies for a bit. Oh my gosh. It was freaking lit, that dude. Sounds incredible. Like the whole studio was pretty much at that pen and I got to play with this gorgeous like black lab. Oh, nice. Puppy, and you know, black like Labradors when they're puppies. I mean, Labradors are beautiful even when they're grown, right? But especially when they're puppies. So, yeah, yeah. it was amazing getting to play with that puppy. And outside of that, funniest of all though was our boss baby mascot, which was running around the campus. <laughs> um, <laughs> frankly, it was quite hideous and frightening because it's about like three and a half feet tall with this oversized boss baby head, and then the mini body with the black and white suit, and. Everything was just so bizarre and eerie, right down to the fact that it had to have been a midget inside there. You know, because yeah, you can't right, use a child, right. but I'm pretty sure like, it was like a three and a half foot midget in yeah. there. So that was that was fun. That sounds like a heck of a Friday with low blood pressure and everything. Because, you know, when you like pet animals, dogs, cats, whatever, it actually is scientifically proven that it lowers your blood pressure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And then when you have a little midget baby coming at you with a big head, it brings it back up. So there you go. <laughs> Anyways, yes, go watch The Boss Baby. Uh, with that said, this is a Lakers podcast. And we're going to get to a bunch of Lakers news. Today's episode is going to be revolving mainly around mailbag questions that you guys provided us with. So that should be fun. A lot of it has a lot to do with Markel Fultz, the draft. Would we trade our pick? Paul George, yada, yada. So that should be fun. But before we get to that, we're going to cover a bit of Lakers news first. And, you know, we started with it. We might as well expound upon it. Alan, what did you think about Kobe's new venture, Muse Cage? Welcome to Canvas City, which he debuted on ESPN last weekend. So I was at a um, a boozy brunch on Sunday morning Ooh, while brunch. this was on, and um, I saw it on the TVs, and I feel like this one wasn't promoted as much as Kobe's first kind of like Wile E. Coyote Looney Tunes type mm-hmm. short film that he did, so I didn't even know it was on, um, unfortunately. So I saw it on the TV while I was having some mimosas with some friends, and I was like, what is this sock puppet on the screen with Kobe going on? And um, so yeah, later I had to watch it on YouTube, and... It's obviously very unique, and you can tell that the appeal is all about the kids. Yep. And I really enjoyed it, honestly. It, it brought me back to, like, 
my childhood of watching Sesame Street and the Muppets and like things like that. And, um, you know, the, the message that Kobe's trying to convey here is a, is a pretty dark one, you know, that you can use like all these negative things in your life to motivate you. Now, how do you, how do you tell that to kids effectively? Well, a sock puppet, as Kobe said, is a very disarming tactic and you know, that's why I used it. So I thought that was very smart and I loved the music. Okay. John Williams composed the music for this thing and it was it was extremely effective so mm-hmm. i thought that was great and i know there are some haters out there <laughs> on social media for i i honestly didn't pay any attention to them because i don't even want to think of it like i really enjoyed it i liked it maybe there's a little bit of kobe bias in there but i thought it was genius yeah that's awesome uh for me i was half and half you know it's okay. definitely a little bizarre campy sure. and a little bit out there but again i do like the children's angle especially as someone who works in the animation industry i like that he's catering to kids but definitely not dumbing down the content right not at all because the way he breaks it down is actually very integral and beneficial to many adult fans as well who especially like me and you if we didn't play any sort of organized basketball growing up and weren't as associated with basketball terminology and plays like this muse cage stuff actually helps that and you know, he did those video breakdowns of Russell Westbrook and James Harden and high pick and rolls when yep. the defense sags. Muse Cage is pretty much high quality produced Laker film room breakdowns. Yeah. Plus Sesame Street, plus Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> yes. You know who was doing the voiceovers? For no. the, uh So it was a female voice, right? During right. the James Harden and Russell sure. Westbrook. Yeah. That was the voice of Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Whoa. Yep. He said that he saw her at some event. I don't know what her name is, or I forgot, but. Um, he saw an event and they were talking and she was saying how she's like this huge Laker fan and all this stuff. And he said he actually just sort of got lost listening to her speak yeah. and zoned out and was like, her voice is perfect for my project. Wow. So she stopped talking and he was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't hear a word you just said, but I really want you to narrate a part of my story. Is that okay with you? And she was like, sure. So he was like, how awesome is it that I have this like Fantasia music with like the bassoon playing and all that stuff with Harden and Westbrook. And then you have this incredibly pleasant sounding woman saying things like sagging on the screen and like, you know, blitzing and things like that. He said it was, it was great. And I totally agree. Like it totally made sense. We're used to hearing these like male commentators, you know talk about basketball and then you hear her instead yeah but it oddly fits and there she goes blah 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 james harden crossover <laughs> that's awesome i did had no idea yeah. and the fact that it's bell wow yeah yeah do you know who did the singing the this is the sound no the... i do not okay well let's just call it phantom, phantom of the opera yeah yeah <laughs> uh so yeah that's muse cage uh if you haven't checked it out yet you can go on youtube and search kobe bryant muse cage he does talk to little mamba this purple mamba sock puppet who's kind of like ah, will musing muse me to be like james harden and be a beast and russell westbrook be a beast and will musing muse me to blah kind of sounds kind of annoying but i'm sure if you have kids like they'll really eat that all up and yeah. then obviously right after that they go into film breakdowns and it's very interesting props to kobe it does seem like he's fully on board with all this production stuff which is great Um, With that said, there were also some other Lakers-related media happening, and by that I mean Rob Palinka Inka Tinka Bogovna Na Na (laughs) was also on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast, and Alan, we both got a chance to listen to it, and I guess what was your overall impression of that podcast, and what was the biggest things that you took away from that? The biggest thing I took away from it was him talking about communication, Mm. how from top to bottom, you have to have very clear, transparent communication because in the past, according to other top agents and uh, players, they've heard that the communication within the Lakers organization was a bit off. It was a bit murky. And, you know, based on everything we've heard and, and, and witnessed, that's pretty evident, you know. So he was telling Adrian Wojnarowski that it is so important that they are collaborating and that's like one of my favorite words when it comes Mm. to work in general is having a collaborative team where everyone is throwing their ideas and input and opinions at a wall and everyone can see it and then from there it, it becomes like this puzzle you know where i'm sure an organization if they are truly united can make these pieces fit together one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, As opposed to whatever it was before, where it sounded like Jim and Mitch would go off and have lunch somewhere, talk about things, and then just bring it back to the table and implement it, you know? 
So that's what stood out most to me. And that was extremely encouraging. And I don't know, like a lot of people probably think, well, isn't that common sense? Like you have to communicate a lot and you have to work together. It's like, yes, of course it is. But like there's a right and a wrong way to do it. And some people think communication means telling people what you think and just leaving it there. That completely gets rid of the the collaboration part. And then you end up compromising instead which ends up being a lose-lose for everybody. Mm-hmm. Whereas collaborations, you're really coming together and deciding on something as one. Right. So that's what I like. The thing that I got the most out of it was how active he's been about actually seeing what people think about the Lakers out there. He was very open about the fact that he's actually talked to other agents. And I was like, oh, shoot, he's being open about this. And let's not forget, like, just as recently as January, this guy was doing his job as an agent. So it's not like any of the other people he was talking to assumed that he was going to be the Lakers GM. So whatever info they were funneling him, (laughs) he was just getting as a natural agent. You know, the fact that he's just been able to, on, on the flip of a dime, switch to this new role and still have all of that pertinent information about free agents, where where they want to go, what they're planning to do six months down the line, three months down the line, and what they think of these different organizations. I can't envision a better role to be in right now with all of that knowledge and it not be illegal. You know, it's not illegal. Mm, right. It's just literally that's it's what like, he was sorry doing. Sorry that's in my head because it was my job. Right. You so, can't men in black me no. and like just click the little buzzer, right? That right. like flashes my memory away. I and, got it. And to be clear, what he said was, I've scoured around the league. I've talked to other agents. I've talked to other players. And right and he now... he said the top agents right, in the league specifically. Exactly. And the sentiment right now for the Lakers is a positive one because of the new clean break that they have. And it's not like this was always the case, obviously. He's not saying this for just lip service. It's literally, he said, because of everything that's happened with Magic Johnson coming in and everything starting anew and afresh, that's what's making people excited again. That's what's making players excited again. And so when I heard that, I was like, I really believe that. And that is great news to hear, especially with him on board at the helm with Magic Johnson coming in and Jeannie Buss really taking the reins. You know, we obviously heard that she's relinquished Jim Buss's shares. So it literally, through and through, is pretty much as new a day as you can get while still maintaining that Lakers legacy, you know, Jeannie is still the owner. Which kind of stuff. he said so many times, Lakers legacy, Lakers legacy, Lakers legacy. Yeah. He stressed that at least like seven or seven to ten times during that podcast but still maintaining that this is all about Lakers 2.0 as well. Yep, it's like holding yep. on to that Lakers legacy, but hold like remembering that we want to get back to that place, yeah. but in a new way. Because at that time, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, the Lakers were at the forefront of things. They were the ones doing things so differently, and everyone's like, oh, man, we need to be doing that. Yep. Well, now he wants to do that again with whatever that looks like right. in the year 2017. We want to be at the front of innovation, and what's going to help that front is the fact that he knows the agents, he knows the players. I can almost probably believe that he knows what's going on in Paul George's head right now. So if there comes a time, and we're going to get to this a little bit later in the summer, when there's a chance to trade for Paul George, if Larry Bird wants like a king's ransom and Palinka knows... I kind of already know what George is thinking here. He's not going to want us to give up a King's Ransom because he's he can just go over here in 2018. So just having that information and intel is so important for the Lakers moving forward. And I think, again, yeah, that was the biggest thing for me listening to that podcast. I was like, wow, he's not even holding back. He's just literally saying, I know this stuff. So Yeah. Yeah, so any other things that you got? No, other than the fact that I'm continuously encouraged every time I hear Rob Palinka speak. He always likes to use certain phrases, too, though. It's funny. Yes, he said North Star Star again, (laughs) this time with regards to Jerry Buss. Right, right. (laughs) Actually, Um, Kobe even said North Star in an interview that I heard him with regards to Muse Cage. He talked to Sage Steele for a good, like, 20 minutes, and he used the phrase North Star. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess that just shows you how how close those guys are, are. Exactly. With that said, I think that's pretty much all the news. You know, the Lakers, unfortunately, the last week, Brandon Ingram has been dealing with knee tendinitis. It doesn't sound too serious. We've heard over and over again that Brandon Ingram has wanted to play every game. Luke has said there's no real reason to push yourself. If this was a playoff game, we'd let you play. But right now, the best thing is rest. And it's unfortunate just because he was having such a great month, averaging 14 points, 4 rebounds, 2.5 assists, right? On, like, super efficient shooting, 50 
50% from the field. And he was in contention for Rookie of the Month in March, you know. Um, it's just unfortunate that he wasn't able to close this month out. And it's pretty much Buddy Heald's award this month. But that's not taking anything away from Ingram. We just hope he gets healthy and he can close out the season, the last, you know, eight games or so healthy. And he said this is his first time dealing with an actual injury. And considering yeah. that he is playing what has played 60 or so games yeah. that he's only dealing with injury now with his, yeah. his frail body. And how many minutes too? Like it's by miraculous. far more minutes than any other rookie. And right now it's, it's just, it sounds like just a little, a ding. Knee tendonitis is not that bad. I, I had patellar tendonitis in high school and the only thing that I really felt was like my knee was pretty swollen. It was like there was, um, like a water bubble inside mm. where it's like mushy when I touched it. Ooh. And, uh, it was, it was stiff for you sure. Can't. Like, <laughs> like I couldn't lift my quad above parallel to the ground and I could mm. not bring my heel back to like my hamstring for sure. Okay. But just icing it and massaging it and resting, um, it was better in like two weeks or so. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's going to be fine. This is a pretty normal basketball injury. The other name for this is jumper's knee. Mm. So that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and I'm actually surprised he hasn't been more dinged up or hurt by any other serious things with regards to how much more aggressive he's been in the new year, just driving it into the lane, getting contact on his body, and getting kind of thrown around and tossed around. So, yeah, hopefully we can just monitor that situation and he can just close the year out strong. Outside of that, some just quick other news tidbits. Tommy Alexander, our other buddy on this podcast, he is in Japan right now having fun. Yeah. So Konnichiwa, Tommy-san. Uh, he'll be out for the next two weeks or so. Yep. So it'll be me and Alan manning the show. And outside of that, I misspoke about our Dash Radio Times. We will actually be on every Monday, so that was correct. Um, but we'll be on at... 8 a.m. Pacific time. So from the 8 to 9 hour, every Monday is on Dash Radio. I thought you were going to say 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. No, no, not at all. That would suck. Like, <laughs> no one will listen to us. I mean, they already don't, but that would be even worse. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> like we said, dash me outside. How about that? There we go. <laughs> okay, lastly, let's just talk quickly about the, the Lakers, how they've looked in the last week or so before we jump into the mailbag questions. Yeah, Alan, what have you thought about the Washington game, Minnesota game? At the time of this recording, we haven't gotten to the Clippers and Memphis games that are happening back-to-back. But without Brandon Ingram, I thought the Lakers have looked okay to decent, especially that Washington game where it seemed like we almost were going to win. We pretty much should have won that game. We just relinquished the lead at the end, yeah. um, as inexperienced teams do. But D'Angelo Russell. Oh, man. 28 points, 9 assists against yeah. John Wall, who's yeah. not a stiff on defense. And he really should have had more than 9 assists right. for sure, oh, which totally. has been the case all year long. And sometimes Otto Porter was switching out on him, Kelly Oubre, Bradley. These, oh, yeah. And Washington is a scrappy-ass defensive team. You know, this is no joke. D'Angelo was able to do this stuff in terms of he got hot from three. He was using his slick and sly yo-yo dribbles and crossing people over and kind of getting John Wall on skates a couple times. Oh, man, um, that was nice. Yeah. When John Wall, like, his ankle almost rolled over. Right. And so D'Angelo was very aggressive that game. It was really nice to see. And obviously, just the playmaking involved there was, was awesome. And then the Minnesota game, D'Angelo also struggled with his shot. Obviously, I think he settled for too many three-point shots. Granted, those were wide-open shots, but still, you want him to continue to drive more into the lane. But outside of that, I thought he did have some very spectacular passes, especially that backspin bounce in the third to Jordan Clarkson, even oh, though Jordan Clarkson gosh. got blocked. Yeah. What yeah. did that remind you of? Uh, I don't know. Sorry, Ohio State, D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> okay, yeah, because yeah, those I were, you were his for a very specific like no, event. I'm, I'm like, talking oh. about him. Like, oh yeah, him at sure, his prime sure. in Ohio State. His biggest highlight yeah. plays were him just standing with the ball, and then he backspin, reverse spins it yep. to somebody that's cutting. And yeah, that I like was that a... that skip pass that he threw to Jordan Clarkson too against Washington. Oh yes, that baseline mid range jumper was where like he was like Washington did a terrible job defensively where there are like three players surrounding D'Angelo yeah. on the perimeter. Right. And he skipped past it to Jordan. It was a really low pass. That way, you know, it couldn't get deflected. It bounced twice to Jordan. He knocks down the jumper. But that was just great vision yeah. and recognition by D'Angelo. And yeah, it had that little backspin to it. And who else can do those kind of passes? I, they are pretty shaky, and this is where he can get in trouble with the turnovers, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I've never seen anyone make these types of passes. They're so wonky. They're so creative. It was almost like he was skipping rocks on the lake yep. or whatever. Yeah, you know? right. And this is all coming as a quote-unquote two-guard. In yeah. other words, who cares what yeah. his position is? Because look, he's still doing this stuff, and he arguably looks more comfortable and looser right yeah. now. 
look, are his some of his passes unconventional and do they get him into trouble sometimes? Yeah. But at the same time, I think that unconventionality helps him. Yeah. Because he finds creative creases and spaces to get the ball to guys that defenses don't expect, you know? It's just learning to cut down on when to not do that, when yeah. it is very obvious. Yeah. So. I, f- I feel like when he does have those turnovers that are just blatantly terrible, again, it's like he has the idea in his mind and he just literally is blocking out the defender because he sees it happening like beforehand. Right. And I'm sure the second he throws, he's like, oh, crap. Shouldn't have done that, yep. you know? And all you want to see from here on is him pick up on that more frequently, right. you know, and just decrease those moments. Exactly. Um, in the Washington game, I was proud of Jordan Clarkson for getting hot from three as well. I think he had 22 points, and he's been dishing the ball a lot better these yeah. last two games. And every time they play Washington, I always want Jordan Clarkson to particularly do well because that was what he was exactly. Washington's yep. pick. And I was like, please don't regress to how we know that you've kind of been struggling. <laughs> like, I want Washington fans to always be like, even though they don't really need him because they have Beal, I want them to be like, oh man, he would have been a perfect six man ahead. That's half. Jordan Clarkson's muse cage, dude. Oh, there you go against Washington. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I like how Jordan Clarkson has been playing. He's been kind of up and down still but he has definitely made a more concerted effort to play make better which is great Tarek Black against Minnesota Uh, obviously if it's a Zubats is another another important news is that he has a high ankle sprain yep is he getting shut down do you know yes Uh, officially as of today they said they're just gonna shut him down the rest of the year because it'll probably take more than two weeks or so to heal anyway so Whatever, he'll be healthy for yeah. uh, Summer League, yes. and he's going to average 35 points a game, <laughs> uh, 16 rebounds, 4 blocks, and 3.5 and assists. Muse cage. You heard it right here. <laughs> <laughs> High ankle sprain, muse cage. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm going to be a beast. Does high ankle sprains muse me to be a muse cage beast? Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, outside of that, yeah, Tarek Black had an amazing game filling in for Zubats. He was all over the boards. He was jamming it on people. He had that obvious great pick and oh no, not pick and roll, but um, that great lob. That lob pass. where he had to like cock his arm back. Oh yep. boy. And D'Angelo Russell, what a pass, right? Oh, yeah, nowhere. he placed exactly where it needed to be. Uh, yeah, Tarek was very, very impressive, and I'm, I don't have a problem watching him play like this to end the season at all. Oh, that's so. fine. He's got a lot to play for right now. Exactly. Pretty much his contract next year because his contract is non-guaranteed so hopefully he makes an easy decision for the lakers but yeah i also really liked d'angelo russell also had a nice bounce pass to thomas robinson who is another guy who's been stepping up thomas robinson just running the fast break and jamming it down so it should be nice to get him some minutes because man whenever he gets out there just 110 percent effort and energy all the time so and he's already said i will do anything to come back as a free agent next year you know so that that kind of commitment to the lakers and desire is what you want to see to end this season as we you know sometimes the games are unwatchable so just to have that sort of effort from certain guys is always a positive so no i mean they've been much more watchable and clearly our problem has been like the inexperience of closing games as well as just poor defensive efforts like ricky rubio getting his career high it's like god like everyone on the timberwolves just has the lakers number right and so, I would just... yeah, I mean, defensively, I would love it if we could short things up. They still make a ton of just inexcusable mistakes on defense. I mean, right. as great as Thomas Robinson has been, Luke even complimented him greatly after that Minnesota game, saying he was the one guy really communicating and talking on defense. There were a couple times where Ricky Rubio was out there on a pick and roll, or a pick and pop, rather, and it's like Thomas Robinson doesn't even have his arms up. You know what I mean? Like, there's no hand in his face. It's the fourth quarter. The guys hit all these threes. Like, you you got to play defense, man. I saw Luke yell at him during that game. So, um, it's just those mental lapses. You want to see less and less of those these next couple weeks. Yeah, and I think Luke has complimented complimented the team i think especially against portland right for their better defensive effort uh minnesota not the case unfortunately but i I do want to make a point that a bunch of people were kind of coming out and saying oh rubio career high 32 points d'angelo russell what the heck are you doing i would like to point out that in the first half it was Jordan Clarkson who was mainly on Ricky Rubio. Yeah. In the second half, when D'Angelo switched onto him, I think Ricky only had six points or something like that. Oh, yeah, that. he so, cooled off big time. So, yeah, it wasn't all D'Angelo Russell's fault, if at all. So, just wanted to point that out. Uh, the Lakers are now 21-54, and 54, still barely clinging on to that second spot. Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns, hopefully they stop shutting him down for no reason because that guy does not need any rest, and they keep playing him out. Um, they played him against the Clippers the other night, and he had... 
a really good game, 32 points, and unfortunately he fouled out, and they made it a really close game at the end, but I hope Phoenix isn't so obvious and blatant in their tanking, where they're like, oh, we'll play him against the teams we know the Phoenix Suns will lose to, like the Clippers, but when it comes to playing the Kings, let's randomly sit him, so we for sure lose, you know, like... That's when it gets super iffy, oh, and you know, bowl, and you know, the basketball gods will not favor you exactly. in that sense. So, um, so yeah. Regardless, I think at this point, and we have a question pertaining to this, I think the best thing to do is ima- like pretty much come to terms with the fact that we probably are going to get the third seed, third spot. But that doesn't necessarily again mean that we're going to lose our pick. It just doesn't give us any more comfort, I guess. The lottery drawing this year is going to happen during the either Western Conference Finals or the Eastern Conference Finals, but I know the for sure date is May 16th, so that is the lottery drawing party. Um, I don't know who's going to go to the party this year because John Black is no longer working for the Lakers. That's right. That's Um, right. So it'll be interesting to see who they have go, and hopefully that won't break the streak. It's probably going to be magic. It's probably going to be use gauge. (laughs) Can you imagine no, a little purple sock puppet up there? Yeah, no, but I think I think Magic Johnson would be a, be a good choice. So we'll have to see. With that said, yeah, we'll turn it over to just our mailbag segment, and we've got a couple of questions from you guys. Yeah, it'll be good discussions all the way around. So catch us on the turn. This is the face of a man with a dark muse Darkness is the light in his eyes. He runs with rage. Okay, mailbag, telegraph pass segment time. Thank you for all of those who submitted their questions. I'm pretty much using all of the submissions that we got because there weren't a lot, but that's totally fine. The first question comes from at Tyler Abbott, at Tyler A-B-B-O-T-T-91. What coping strategies do you recommend for the lottery? Not a day goes by that I don't think about those ping pong balls. So, Tyler, you are the type of fan we're talking about when we talk about lottery ball muse cage. (laughs) So, Alan, what are some of your coping strategies and how are you handling the rest of this season and going into May 16th lottery D-Day? I mean, for the last, you know, couple years, it's been like, if we lose this pick, it's going to set our franchise back so many years and things like that. And every year we go into it thinking, all right, well, thank God that was the last time we have to be to have that mindset. And here we are again. I I guess at this point, I'm, I'm trying to convince myself that we are going to lose the pick. Mm. Like if, if it happens, then I'm going to be absolutely thrilled. But otherwise I'm just going to think like, we're not going to get it. And at least we have a late first round pick which for us have been really great over the last few right. years. So um, I guess that's it. It's just me playing like mind tricks on myself. That being sure. said, when the day comes, if we actually lose it, my heart is going to sink down into my stomach and I'm going to be extremely upset and I'm probably going to be in a funk for, for a few hours. Right. Um, but at least it's like my expectations going in are already so low. I can sort of come to accept that now. Right. And one concrete coping strategy that you can use is listening to our last podcast episode with Sean Darenthal from At O to Odin podcast, because we did a full deep dive into the late first round, early second round. And if we lose that top three pick, obviously we regain our second round pick. So that means we get the number 28 and number 32 pick. So like Alan said, we've done a great job drafting in that range. So and Jesse Buss is still part of the scouting staff that drafted Larry Nance Jr., Ivica Zubats, Jordan Clarkson, so he'll still be right on board and might even have a more influential voice on who to pick. So definitely check out our last podcast for that. Um, yeah, for me, it's like coping with the fact that we are going to be the number three. There's no use complaining about whether we slip to number three at this point because Phoenix has just done a far better job than us tanking because they literally don't have anyone playing outside of Devin Booker. They're trotting out Derek Jones Jr., who's a D-League dunker, in their starting lineup, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's totally fine because those are the young guys that they have. They've shut down Eric Bledsoe. But, and I guess that could be a blatant tank move because there's a difference between us shutting down Mozgov and Dang and them shutting down Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> I mean, there is We're a huge better difference. better without those We're guys. We're better without those guys, right. Yeah, you could point to that. But also outside of that, the factors simply are Phoenix has a much difficult, more difficult schedule to end this season. Pretty much their only win could possibly be against the Kings, who are actually playing well. 
And that game happens at the very end of the season. And you'd imagine if that's the last game for them, they might just literally throw in the towel at that point, right? Uh, for us, we have we have the Kings coming up as well. And then outside of that, one more bout with Minnesota. And then we play Golden State that last game. And that last game, Golden State might just sit everybody in preparation for the playoffs. So yeah, though, Kevin Durant's going to be back at that point. Like, hopefully, just right, you're recently right. back. Right. I would think they want to play him a little bit with the starters right. just to get on the same page again. It may only be 20 minutes for all of them. So let's just hope that <laughs> yes. those 20 minutes are very productive for the Warriors. Sure. And you hope that, you know, Luke Walton calls Steve Kerr up a little bit and says, hey, man. Do me a solid and play your guys just for 20 minutes yeah, just yeah. to make sure that our, our guys get beat a little bit. So, And I think it's in Golden State. It's good experience for our players to go against the Warriors of full strength, too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but even with that said, you know, the Lakers are separated by one win. I do think that at, they're either at least going to tie Phoenix or relinquish that number two spot and if they tie phoenix apparently the odds split between the two teams so they will each get a 51 percent chance at staying within the top three i believe so not all is lost and if they do stay at the number three the way that i'm coping with it is just saying they are going to be the third worst team but the point percentage difference between three and two is very minimal it's nine percent difference yeah and at that point looking at the history of the top three number three is actually due you know, last year, it stayed at number three because everything held to place. The year before that, it jumped out. The Knicks had it, and it went to four. So it hasn't won in the last two, three years, you know? Sure. So if we're at the number three spot, I wouldn't be surprised if it got number one or if it stayed at number three, which is totally fine, yeah. right? So I almost think it's due. And again, Silver still owes us one uh, for the Chris Paul debacle. So I would not and be surprised. And for how the Lakers have been handling the entire like last two months or so. Right. You know, it's been extremely professional. It hasn't, like, tainted the Lakers' image whatsoever with all the drama that's been happening. So Adam Silver's got to throw us a bone for that. Yeah, for sure. So even with all that said, like I said, number three pick, I mean, number three spot, not the end of the world. It's definitely going to have no, us No, no one should be freaking out no. if we go from two to three. I'm sorry. Just be happy that we're even at that point. If it was three to four, then oh, freak then out freak accordingly. Out. But Absolutely. three is exactly where you want to yeah. be. You yeah. Know? It's a top three protected pick that we've got. So. And even in the case where you see, let's say, when they're counting down the lottery balls, it'll freak everybody out and give us a heart attack if we see someone not in place. That doesn't necessarily mean that we've lost it. Let's say number seven team is not in that spot. That could mean we still won the lottery, but number seven jumps in and bumps out two or one and two, you know? So there are all these different scenarios. We just have to let it play out. And at this point, there's no use in worrying or getting mad at the Lakers for winning a game or two at this point. So, uh, yeah, so that's how we'll cope with it. We'll get to it when that time comes. Uh, uh, with that said, our next question comes from at Bryant Olivas at Bryant O-L-I-V-A-S. Uh, his question is, next season predictions. Do we get a superstar in free agency? Do we lose our pick? Is Swaggy P still swaggy? <laughs> Alan. Uh, I'm going to answer these questions in reverse order. Sure. Uh, is Swaggy P still swaggy? Yes. Swaggy P will be Swaggy P forever. As far as like his production, if that's kind of what you're getting at, Ah, gosh, it depends. It depends on the setting for him. It depends on uh, the situation, what team he's on, if it's a contender, if he gets along well with everybody within the organization. So it's it's pretty conditional. Um, so it's it's hard to predict. If I had a bet, I would say he's not as good as he was this year, unless he's still with us. Yeah. Um, if that's the case, sure, I think he'll be all right. I think, you know, the interesting part about this question is, Will another team, if he opts out, I think another team has to ask themselves this. Is Swaggy P still swaggy if we sign him, you know? If he's not in L.A. anymore. Like you said, maybe if it's the Cavaliers it works or like someone like... Yeah, if it's a contender. Yeah, if it's a contender. But if he opts out and he he's already said he's still unsure about it, maybe his best option really is to just stay with the Lakers because he is L.A. He's loved it here. He's shown that he can play within a system, especially in an open, free space system that Luke provides him with. Yeah, he loses out on maybe, what, 3 or $4 million by not opting out, but that's also not assured to him if he opts out. So, yeah, I, I honestly don't know. Right now, I'd say he might opt out, but again, even he's unsure at this point. So, will Swaggy Peace still stay swaggy? 
like Alan said, if it's a contender, he might. But um, if it's with the Lakers, it also depends on whether we keep our pick and what free agents we sign. At this point, I guess, would you? are you hoping that he opts out or are you hoping that he opts in? Man, I don't have like a strong opinion on that, to be completely yeah, honest. That's, yeah, that's fine. If he opted in, I'd be like, all right, cool. Like, we know what we're getting. If he opts out, I'd be like, oh, wow, like he might be gone. Right. And, you know, he was our best shooter this year. He did help the offense flow. But depending on what we get in free agency, uh, he may become expendable and redundant. So, you know, we'll just have to see. Um, With regards to do we lose our pick, like we said, uh, that's totally up in the air right now. Gonna say nope. Nope. We're keeping it right now. Gotta will it. Will it to happen. Totally. And, you know, just for fun, let's let's do the tankathon. Wheel of Fortune. I was about right now. to legit just get out a coin from well, my wallet. No, we can do it right it. now. I have there it right it here. Is. Here's our first Sim Lottery Tankathon. This is always fun. Ooh, Lakers, number two again for the hey, third oh, straight who's year. Number one? The New York Knicks. That's stupid. I actually wouldn't be surprised, though. I God. Mean, silver will probably help that dysfunctional team out. So we got New York number one, LA number two, and Celtics number three. So I have no problems with that as long as we keep. Our pick and getting two for three straight years would be pretty awesome. So that's our first lottery simulation. We should just do this every episode at this point. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like it irrationally gets everyone excited. It's yeah, like, totally. Ooh, yeah, Ooh, we yeah. got that. Got it recorded. Hey, remember when you guys did that one episode? Of never... Yeah, yep, yep. yep. Uh, so yeah, do we lose our pick right now? I'd say no, just because of the karmic forces around that, and also Adam Silver. You you always win. Do we get a superstar in free agency? No, no. If it's a trade, we we possible. But free agency, there's honestly no superstar free agents out there outside of Blake Griffin, Gordon Hayward, and those guys are probably going to stick to their own teams. And if he if they don't, Gordon Hayward is probably going to go to like Boston or something like that. You know, yeah. not definitely not the Lakers. So no superstars via free agency. Trade, on the other hand, is a different story. Um, next question comes from at DJSWAGG DJ Swag. 006. In the current young core, which players do you think could form a big three trio? Which players do I think could form a big three trio? As in, like, which three of our young players? Or, like, which one guy would be a piece of a big three? Let's do both, because that, that's a good question. Sure, so let's do out of our, which are the best three, I guess, first, and then we'll right, do which right. one could be part of a big three. Um... I would say D'Angelo, Brandon Ingram. Oh, and then number three. This is the tough one, man, because what are your options? Julius, Clarkson, Nance, and Zubots. Uh, I mean, when Julius is on, he is on, but when he's off, he's off. Jordan is kind of like that, but more consistent for the most part. But his, his cap is definitely, you know, his ceiling's not nearly as high as Julius's. Larry, very solid, but not a big three, for sure. Yeah. Zubots, same thing. So, if Julius can figure it out, it would be him. Because the guy's gotten triple-doubles. The guy's gotten 30-whatever and, like, 13 rebounds and all that kind of stuff. And he can do all these things as a distributor, whatever. But he just needs to figure it out and be consistent. Right. Okay, for me, before we get to the which one out of the our core could be a legitimate piece in a big three um for me the top three would probably be like you said d'angelo russell brandon ingram and while i want to say julius randall if he becomes more consistent and puts things together props to him by the way for taking more threes and actually hitting them that's been great um it's better than his mid-range game no totally i think and not to be not to get on this like overhyped zubats bandwagon but just in terms of the way that we've seen him progress so quickly within a year if he can just do that, and obviously I understand that he could, instead of being a Marcus Gasol type, he might just end up being like a better version of Mozgov, which is a situational type center. I, I totally could see that happening. But if he also does reach even 75% of that Marcus Gasol level, that's a big three type player. Obviously, we might have to play a little bit differently, but that's still a big three type of player. So for me, I think I'd go D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, and Zubots. Obviously, if we keep our top three pick, then that changes entirely. But right now, out of our core, I've just seen more progression from Zubots and a faster progression. And honestly, I think this is the slowest he's going to be, right? Mm, I mean, yeah. he, he's not in shape. He's already admitted that. Uh, he plans to get really stronger. So I don't see why he couldn't be a Marc Gasol type player. Now, if he never shores up his 
defense in terms of guarding the perimeter, guarding the pick and roll, and learning how to really chase people, then yeah, that could be a problem, and then you can only play him in certain situations and certain games, but seems like a hard worker to me who wants to work on any deficiency he has and shore that up. So if we're looking at the most positive outcome, it's Marcus Gasol, right? And in that case, I'm going to look for the most positive outcome and put Zubats right now in that big three category. And it sucks for Julius, right? Because his most positive outcome too is like a Draymond Green type player, which is just as great. But I think we've seen more of Julius and seen less leaps that it makes me want to say, well, Zubats has already leaped so high in like half a year. So if he continues that progression or even half that progression, it'd be amazing. So, um, okay, what about out of all of our young core, who's the one guy that you'd say, yeah, I could see this guy in a a big thing? I'd probably say Brandon. Yeah, probably Brandon, just because uh, he's got those skills. You know, he he looks like he's mature beyond his years with regards to his fundamentals, his handles, his ability to get his own shot. And uh, I could see him being a guy that could take over a game late single handedly, kind of the way Kawhi Leonard has been doing now. uh, You know, so many years into the Mm -hmm. league, Um, we've seen over the last few weeks Brandon get that like sixteen to nineteen foot jumper. Right where he kind of shakes the defense just a little bit. It's nothing like flashy or crazy, but um, he's got handles and he's got that length, and um, he, he's better from the mid range than the three point right now. And obviously he can. He's very fast. He can get to the basket. So I'd say Brandon. Yeah, I actually would say Brandon as well. But I, there's a range of outcomes here that I'm totally fine with, and he'd still be in that top three. He might be the number one, number two, or number three, right? But still mm. be part of that big three because, right. like, you know, Lamar Odom was part of a big three even though he was the third player. For sure. And so I could see Brandon Ingram either becoming, like, a Kawhi Leonard type or a Lamar Odom type. And either way, he's contributing to, like, winning basketball because he can play. We presume that he could eventually play both sides really well and consistently, right? Because of his length, um, because of his shooting, which we hope will eventually shore itself up. And, you know, just with better defensive IQ and fundamentals and then combining and aligning that with his body just naturally growing and him getting stronger, et cetera, et cetera, um, I definitely could see him as a big three type player that will contribute to winning basketball. Uh, Hopefully, I want to see him be able to take over like Kawhi has, and it might take as long as it's taken Kawhi, where he's gone from like 12 points to 16 points to 19 to now he's like, yeah, I can score 25 whenever. It might take that long, but... Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. And honestly, even if he's like, not to say that he's like Andre Kirilenko, but if he could be that type of big three type player that can affect the game on both ends, yeah, he could totally fill that role. And also, that's not to say that I don't see D'Angelo Russell being able to be a big three type player. It's just if I had to choose between Brandon Ingram and D'Angelo Russell, which is what we're doing in this scenario, I think I slightly lean towards Ingram because of that defensive potential, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, that'll end that question. Um, our next question actually comes from an email, and it's from Chris Tiller. He asks, which players in the young core do you feel are expendable if the right offer comes along? Alan, who do you think is the most expendable, or feel are expendable? Emotionally, I would be the least sad and disappointed if Julius were traded. Mm. <laughs> Even though I included him in our big three. I think he's the one guy where I'd be like, okay, like that makes sense. Right. If we traded Larry Nance, whose ceiling is lower, I'd I'd be really bummed. Yeah. You know, because he just he mostly does the right thing, and he he's like too hard on himself in a relatively constructive way. Whereas like when Randall, who is hard on himself, it's it's like destructive. Yeah. You know, it's kind of mopey. Um, Zubots. And I don't think it's irrational that I would be very upset if Zubats were traded because we still don't really know what his upside is. Like, the sky seems to be the limit. Whereas Randall, again, we're starting to to see, you know. Mm. Um, Clarkson, I just don't think a crazy trade would come our way for him since he is under a real contract now, you know. Um, So that just wouldn't happen. So, yeah, I'd say Randall. So I think, and obviously, some of these guys can be packaged together. I think at this point, all the players are expendable, maybe outside of Brandon Ingram and then D'Angelo Russell. Right. Yeah, so I guess I just picked, like, the one that I think has the greatest chance of being traded. Right. For me, if the right offer comes along, I would first 
And obviously, we bring up Julius Randle's name not because he sucks, but he's the no. guy who has actual value that we would realistically be able to get something back for. You know, it's not like Julius Randle sucks, so we're just going to trade him for anything. It's like, no, well, if you look at Larry Nance, he's No, you don't limited. trade a guy just to get anything unless he's an absolute detriment to your team. Right. So it's kind of like, who's the best asset that you can trade and are willing to give up? It's you're pretty much looking at the top assets are Brandon Ingram, D'Angelo Russell, and Julius Randle. And Julius Randle is always going to be third on that list, right? And then it's Clarkson from there. Clarkson, you know, has filled a role as a sixth yeah. man. And if you have him just in that role, then you just keep him there. But You're not looking for him to become a superstar. Right. But with Randle, you can honestly, sad as it is to say, he is a replaceable kind of player at that power forward spot, right? Because he doesn't provide, provide the shooting. And right now, his defense is still inconsistent. There are times when he's in there, like mentally he's locked, but there are also those times where he just like leaves his man or isn't able to contain pounding down there, essentially. And then obviously, the frantic play that he provides in the lane when he gets trapped in the paint and just pump fake, pump fake, pump <laughs> fakes or turns the ball over, gets the ball stripped, etc., etc., is not conducive to consistent basketball. I think right now, Julius Randle is very much a matchup dependent type player against the right teams man he's gonna blow up for like 32 10 and 8 like houston (laughs) but against most other teams it's gonna be a wild roller coaster kind of ride credit to him that he's always gonna be a really good rebounder and he's probably always gonna get like three or five assists it's just is he also gonna get four turnovers with that you know or is he gonna stop pick and roll action by just jabbing or stopping the motion you know that's the biggest thing with julius obviously that three-point shot is helping him on these pick and pops like if he could make that consistent that would be amazing because then he'd be able to actually use that yeah use that as a weapon people will come out and then he'll use his quick first step and then he'll be able to do the julius randley stuff that he likes to do um but right now because of the there are going to be teams that see that potential and say yeah, he is a mini Draymond Green type player. I'm willing to bank on that. So if you could take Julius Randle, package him with someone like Jordan Clarkson, and I don't know, maybe you can throw in like a, our late first round pick, then maybe you could get something valuable for that, you know? Um, so yeah, in terms of being expendable, everybody's expendable, but expendable in the sense that we might also get something of value back. Uh, I think it would be Julius Randle. I would hate, like you said, to give up on Larry Nance because he just seems like that perfect prototypical championship winning type player like a Horace Grant Brian Shaw off the bench Robert Ori like he just does the right things and won't hurt you in any big way essentially so yeah it's like and when those guys contributed to those championships they were playing like 17 minutes a game scoring five to seven points right you know what i mean you're not asking them to put up crazy numbers but it's all those other little things and Larry Nance absolutely fits that mold yeah and Honestly, it would suck to lose Zubats, but in this stage, oh, I, don't, I don't even want to think about it just because <laughs> it would break his heart and everything like that. That would suck. Um, but if it's to get Paul George or something like that, if you could tell me right now, and this is going to be our next question, if you could tell me we could get Paul George for Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, and Zubats, I would probably do it. Um, Those guys should feel honored yeah, <laughs> that totally. they could bring a guy like that. Like, oh, man, like they view me as someone that can yield that? That's I must be pretty good. Exactly. And, you know, Zubats is probably like, I'll be back, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in like three or four years or whatever. Hey, hey guys, you know, I just uh, have high ankle sprain yesterday. I'm very sad. And now you talk about maybe trade me. It's uh, I feel very depressed. I need to go hang out with Larry. I think a uh, big brother, big. He's like my daddy, actually. He'd make me feel better. Don't worry, Zoo. We're not giving up on you yet. But again, I think Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle on their own are not super attractive pieces on their own you put them together then you might actually be able to get something of value back and i i, I guess to end this discussion the reason why i say julius randall is expendable is because in this day and age in the nba when you're playing pace and space motion offense and we've seen it a little bit and not to say that we want a frank kaminsky type player but if you remember the way d'angelo russell played with a guy who could shoot like that at the four during the rising stars challenge Oh my gosh, he was getting yeah. assist after after assist. The floor was open up for him. You know, the, the pick and pop makes him more even more lethal. The fact that he's making passes and these guys are actually hitting, it's like makes D'Angelo Russell seem all of a sudden like one of the best point guards in the league, right? You <laughs> almost forget that these days he's passing a freaking Corey Brewer open for threes, but it doesn't matter because Corey Brewer can't shoot, you know? Yep. Julius Randle can't shoot, but he needs the ball in his hand to be effective. Jordan Clarkson is on and on, you know, on and off again kind of player and needs the ball in his hand. 
you get D'Angelo Russell more of these types of players who don't necessarily need the ball to be effective but can shoot the lights out, and your whole offense changes, essentially. And you ask him to be more aggressive, and he can because there's more space for him to operate. We didn't even get to his dunk against Minnesota, by the way. I'm just bringing this up, but that was very impressive. And the, I feel like the more the floor opens up for him, the more you'll see those types of plays from D'Angelo. Like he'll actually venture into the paint and actually try and be athletic and you know showcase some of those flashy dunks of his. So yeah, so those are the players we deem expendable. But obviously, in this stage, there's nobody who's untouchable. So yeah, this goes into our next question by at Harvey Micah. If the Lakers keep a top two pick, Fultz or Ball, would you be willing to trade the pick for a star, i.e. Paul George? And and actually, this is a topic that I want to talk about because a lot of people have been surmising that because of what Magic has said, because of what Palinka said, uh, the struggles that D'Angelo has had with Luke Walton, the media, and like when he got benched and everything, the attitude issues, that maybe the writing is on the wall for the Lakers, especially if they keep their top three pick, to trade D'Angelo Russell. And my line of thinking, and I've brought this up on Twitter, is that if I'm Paul George, why would I want the Lakers to trade D'Angelo Russell, the player who out of our young core is our best, even though he's had a quote-unquote sucky two seasons, is still our best, right? And is the most experienced. You're going to trade a year three D'Angelo Russell like when Paul George comes. Who's Paul George going to play with? You're going to yep. have him play with Lonzo Ball or Josh Jackson two of the most raw prospects in the league right now, who you know they have missing parts to their game. Lonzo Ball, if you don't remember his last game in UCLA, as amazing a passer as he is, as amazing a shooter he is, if he's not able to take over for himself in an NCAA basketball game when the game is on the line, it's going to take him at least some adjustment time in the NBA to even do that in actual NBA games, you know? So it's not going to be like, oh yeah, first year, here's Lonzo Ball averaging 15 points and 9 assists. It's going to be more like eight points and six assists. You know what I mean? It's going to take him some time. Josh Jackson, we still don't know if that three-point shot, even though he's improved it, can actually be a legit shot in the NBA. He's going to be a pretty decent defender to really good defender, but we still don't know how the rest of his game is going to translate. You think Paul George is going to be comfortable with development time and babysitting time for these kids? He's going to want the one guy who's already kind of on the verge, which is D'Angelo Russell, to be with him. He might actually prefer having D'Angelo Russell and prefer trading that pick, you know? Instead of having, oh, you mean year two Brandon Ingram is still going to need time to develop into his new body? Even if he has bulked up, you remember when Kobe bulked up, it took him some time to readjust (laughs) his shot and everything like that and adjust his play. So if I'm Paul George, I'm doing everything in my power to say, hey, trade whoever you have to, but do not trade D'Angelo Russell, do not trade Brandon Ingram. And so I don't buy that narrative because it just doesn't make sense that the writing's on the wall for D'Angelo Russell to be moved. Is the writing on the wall for one of our players or two or three of our players to be moved? Sure. But I would very highly doubt that it's Brandon Ingram or D'Angelo Russell. Now, when it comes to the top three pick, like I just mentioned, if we get number two and number three and those prospects are Lonzo Ball and Josh Jackson, I could foresee maybe just trading that pick. Now, this is all within reason, right? If Rob Palenka thinks Paul George is coming um, and has good sources in the summer, then I don't think he trades anything of that top value. And maybe he pushes Larry Bird and the Pacers into a corner and says, look, we'll give you Randall, Jordan Clarkson, and number 28. Take it or leave it. And maybe they take it. If he's unsure whether Paul George really is going to come to the Lakers and Larry Bird says, hey, give us your top three pick straight up and we'll do it, he might just do that, you know? And if it's Lonzo Ball or Josh Jackson... Maybe. I would say maybe. Yeah. Now, if it's Markel Fultz, that's where I say, don't. <laughs> don't do that. Wait for Paul George Wait for to free come. Agency. Wait yeah. for free agency. Because, and we'll get to this in an, another episode where we just break down Markel Fultz franchise-changing generational type game. But I do believe that this guy, Markel Fultz, is a generational type player and probably one of the best point guard prospects since Kyrie Irving. And I think he could be better than Kyrie Irving because... He's got that athleticism part to his game that is very, very amazing. And also, he's bigger. He's like 6'4", has longer wings. He's more like Dwayne Wade's size. Yeah, totally. It's like John Wall and Kyrie Irving had a baby, and Mm -hmm. that's who you have in Markel Fultz, you know? Um, One of the most polished players I've ever seen. And actually, the fact that his Washington team was so horrible and that he was able to get... still putting up those numbers. Six assists, 24 points, and on 50% shooting, 40% shooting from three. You got nobody on your team. Efficiency. You'd imagine that every team's defense is packed in against you. 
like honing in against you and you're still able yeah, to Yeah, and put, he's playing in the Pac-12. It's crazy. Against Arizona, Oregon, UCLA, even USC is pretty good. So in that scenario, if I'm Paul George, I'm like, no, you keep that pick. Yeah, and that's, just, and, just wait for me. And I don't think it'll ever come to this, but this is where I'd kind of be like, okay, if it's between Markel Fultz and D'Angelo Russell, yeah, I might have to trade D'Angelo Russell in that scenario. I don't think it'll come down to that, but if I had to choose, I'd be like, yeah. I mean, Markel Fultz has everything that you'd want in a point guard. And some of the complaints that we're talking about with D'Angelo Russell, he's unathletic, slow, not problems <laughs> with right. Markel Fultz. And there's even some defensive potential to be had with him in terms of him being able to sky for blocks and stuff like that. So I turn it over to you and say, yeah, if the Lakers keep a top two pick or top three pick, would you be willing to trade that pick for a Paul George? Um, man, if it's Fultz or Bull, I, I agree with you on Fultz for sure. I, there's like nothing else I can add to that. Um, if it's Lonzo Ball, I mean, yeah, he's raw at this point, and who knows how long it's going to take him to develop, but I'd be pretty hesitant to trade Lonzo Ball for Paul George straight up right now, kind of for the same reasons as Fultz. Mm -hmm. I would just want to wait it out and see if Paul George comes. I just, I don't know. Like, I I do believe Lonzo Ball is going to be a very, very great (laughs) NBA player. It's kind of a matter of when. It would be such a shame to trade the guy right now because you're just, like, jonesing for that star. And then you see Lonzo Ball doing his thing in Indiana, just balling out, you know? And it's like, shoot, man, we could have just waited. Like, that was hasty. That was kind of panicky. That's not really trusting, unfortunately, (laughs) use this phrase, that's not, like, trusting your own process, Mm -hmm. right? So um, if it's between those two guys, I I, I don't think I do it. Fultz is, uh, like, a hard no. Ball is like a 75% no, 25% I'll consider. Now, what if they decide to keep that top three pick and then say, oh, but let's trade D'Angelo Russell for Paul George? Do you think that makes sense? Because like I just said, I don't think it makes sense, especially if I'm Paul George and I'm like, wait, D'Angelo Russell's actually on the verge. Yeah. Right. And if there's anyone that I want to pair myself with to get this rebuild process going, you at least want to have something already there instead of, Raw prospect, raw prospect, raw prospect. You know? Right, right. And at least in D'Angelo Russell, he's seen him play and sees potential there and says, oh, I can imagine year three D'Angelo Russell is going to be even better. I guess it depends on what you're yielding for D'Angelo Russell. It's going to be Paul George. Oh, sorry. Yeah, if sorry. it was yeah, yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right, right, right. That swap, straight swap. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. In oh, that scenario, no, 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 no it doesn't no, make no, sense. No. Now, like we said, If you can manage some sort of, and I don't think we can get, you know, people were throwing out on Twitter that maybe we can get Paul George for Jordan Clarkson, number 28, and Larry Nance. And I was like, no, no, absolutely not. And even if we think about... Larry Bird is a decent GM, okay? (laughs) Yeah, he's going to try and build the Pacers better first before he takes on a trade like that, you know? Uh, Maybe at the trade deadline, but even then it's like, if you've ever thought about any sort of superstar trade, they've always at least gotten one lottery pick, right? Even the terrible Kings trade that just happened. They got Buddy Heald, who was a lotto pick, who's he's going to win Rookie of the Month in March, and they're going to get the number 10 pick, which is still going to be a lottery pick from the Pelicans this year. Those are two lotto picks, right? What lotto picks are in the Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr. number 28 pick package? None. Right. <laughs> so even then, I feel like you would at least have to add Julius Randle there. And at that point, I'd say okay, fine, if we can get Paul George, fine. I just don't know if Larry Bird would still accept that. Obviously, leverage into play and all that. Maybe at the trade deadline, he would. If Paul George is like, yo, trade me now, get whatever you can, and that's it, then yeah, I could see that happening. But right now, they're not going to accept that during the draft. So yeah, and obviously, we have tons of time to talk about this. This is pretty much all we're going to be talking about in about two weeks when there's no Lakers games. I don't know if we should feel happy about that. Maybe. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we'll get more in depth into like lottery draft talk trade possibilities uh i do think that there might be some people on the move in this summer just yeah just to improve our team and honestly even to maybe get some of these albatross contracts off our books i think luau dang could be serviceable if they're able to you know uh, move some pieces luau dang might be the future bench four on our team Uh especially once a guy like paul george comes then you need some ancillary veteran pieces already in place But, man, if we can get rid of Mozgov somehow... Honestly, people might not want to hear this, but let's say we keep the top three pick. Do we really need a number 28 pick? 
can we possibly get a team to take on Mozgov's contract by attaching a first-round pick to it, you know? Yeah. You never know. There might be some desperate team that hasn't had, you know, a lot of stabs at the draft that are like, hey, we have the cap space and we're not going to do anything the next few years. Sure, we'll take on Mozgov's contract. If Palinka can do that, God, he's a miracle. Can we give him friggin' GM of the year right Miracle working North Star. So, <laughs> uh, with that said, we're running out of time. Uh, thank you guys for listening. That was our mailbag segment. Thanks for those who, you know, sent all those questions out to us. Yeah, and we'll be back, you know, to talk more about draft. I think our next episode we're going to be a lot more Markel Fultz focused, and hopefully we'll get a guest on too to talk about all this draft stuff. So, thank you guys for listening. As usual, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interviews on iTunes because, like we said, the more rating interviews we get on iTunes, the more news cage. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Alan. I will catch you later, man. Later's Luke. All right, you guys have a good night and. uh Sayonara, Tommy Alexander. That's goodbye in Japanese. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more Yeah, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.